guys. This is episode two. This is my episode. We're going to be talking about me, my upbringing, uh, just filling you in, letting you guys uh, get to know me a little bit better. Yep. And for those who don't know, this is the Less Friends, More Family podcast, episode two. I'm Ben. I'm Asher. And yeah, I mean, shit, we can uh, go ahead and take it away. Maybe we should do like a, a little recap of where our week's been at right now. Um, yeah. Just uh, talk about the present and then we can go from there. It's been about a week since the last time we recorded the first one. Um, hope you guys like that one, by the way. Yeah, we got a lot of good feedback from at least some of the people that uh, we're friends with, and I like to thank everybody that's like actually paying attention to this and like really getting to know who we are as people. It means a lot, actually. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. So Ben, I heard you had a crazy weekend. Yeah. No. So. Uh, if you guys uh, listen to my first episode, you, you might have heard the very first girl I dated in college. And um, she actually came over this weekend with her dad. Uh, and yeah, it was like the first time I saw her ever since she got out of, uh, you know, rehab. And like, you know, she she had a, you know, a few years between me seeing her for the last time until now. And obviously, you know, I had the same thing. So it's kind of cool to catch up and see she's still the same person and I'd like to think I'm still the same person just a little bit more a little more grown and um yeah it was a good time for sure and uh I mean yeah I, I have no complaint about how about you Asher um I just want to comment on your weekend honestly because I think that was the most eventful thing I didn't really do anything honestly just went to the gym but I thought it was just cool how you didn't like bring any of that baggage from knowing her before into it and you just kind of went into it with an open mind no that's huge actually Asher got me on that mindset because originally I was kind of like worried about seeing her and I was like trying to trying to like not self-sabotage but trying to like villainize her still when there's no reason for me to villainize her at all she's really good people like out of all the girls I dated obviously you haven't met her Asher but um you know from from your perspective she's I think that she's kind of like a probably the best one out of the bunch and uh no yeah it's like it's cool to catch up with somebody that actually meant something to you and it's cool to know that you met some of them because they can kind of go other way to see how you're doing catch up with them yeah i mean it's the only time i've ever heard of somebody from ben where he said you might actually like them no for sure so that i mean that speaks volumes in itself but yeah i mean that's that's enough uh, about what happened this week and just to fill you guys in but I guess, you know, to get started on Asher's episode, we should really talk about, like, his upbringing, and we should probably start at, like, you know, ground zero, like, way back when, like... Before I could even remember. Kind of explain, like... Let's start with, like, your family life, like... Obviously, you know, Asher can, you know, touch on this more, but for people who don't know, or people that know, um, Asher is adopted. So, yeah, let's, let's just talk about, like, what you remember... Or what you, maybe you don't remember at all, but like, what what can you remember about being adopted? Yeah, I think it's a really unique situation, especially for me. I was um, adopted from South Korea when I was only eleven months old, so honest, no memory, of course, of my situation there. Um, I honestly have not a lot of information about my actual birth parents. I just know that my mom was really young when I had her. When she had you. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that being said, obviously, so you say you're adopted when you're 11, and um, you 11 grew... 11 months. 11 months old. Uh, sorry. Um, let's talk about, like, your, your family life. Like, who, who are your siblings? Like, yeah, obviously, um, you know, some of them aren't related to you, or all of them aren't related to you, so... Yeah, but all in that. kind of different ways. Um, 
I have two older sisters who are biological to my adopted parents, um, and then I have an y- older brother and a younger brother who are also from South Korea, but we're not at all related, so just different adoptions from different families. So, like, you know, obviously, you, I'd like to think that, you know, you, you and your family are pretty tight. I mean, obviously, throughout your life, you know, you were distant at times from them, but you were also close to them at some point, so let, let's just start, like, from what you can remember. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was definitely blessed by having two parents who adopted me that genuinely loved me and genuinely put a lot of effort into me. Like, shout out to them. They are the most amazing people. And the more I grow up and the more I hear about other people's upbringing, like, I'm so much more grateful for, like, for them, for how they brought me up. They taught me the right things. They always supported me. They still support me to this day. Like, they genuinely do care about me. Like, I have no doubts there about it. Yeah, that's that's definitely cool. I mean, like, I don't I don't know a whole lot of uh, people in my life who've been adopted, but hearing your story and like you know who your parents are, they're really good people. They're they're probably the nicest people I've ever met. Um, and I'm just only saying that from you know hanging out with you and meeting them actually, and you know seeing how they treat you guys. Yeah, I mean you're a product of your parents and your upbringing. No, yeah, exactly. I mean, like with that being said and all, kind of kind of explain like. I think I think you had this unique I don't want to say unique but it's kind of like this old school upbringing like you had neighborhood friends and stuff like that um, and I, I know you guys came up with like a term to kind of like identify yourselves as you, you want to talk on that yeah so I live in a cul-de-sac of about maybe like eight houses and growing up every one of those houses had a kid around my age so we were all close um, I'm still close with all of them we all talk almost every day we see each other almost weekly um, I think that's really interesting because not a lot of people have that. Not a lot of people have people outside of school right, growing yeah. up yeah. to hang out with. So, And especially since they were all, uh, on average, about four years older than me. Yeah, it kind of like provides you with like having like a lot of older brothers almost. Yeah, and just always being surrounded by people who are a little bit more mature. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was really cool. Like, I learned a lot. They taught me a lot of stuff, good or bad, honestly, but... I mean, if anything, they were there to kind of, like, bail you out of situations, too. Definitely, yeah. They just had that experience that not necessarily you had at the time. Um, No, I had an awesome childhood growing up with them. Like, we all grew up together. We all played football. We all had, like, a turkey bowl and, like, a Christmas bowl. We'd play football all the time together. So, like, it's just having that click around you. I think that also translates into the LFMF sort of mentality. Like, that really prioritize friends in my life because like growing up and then learning that you're not related to your family by blood and it's really just the relationships that you build with those people it sort of teaches you that it doesn't matter who you are like related to me or not you're gonna you're gonna make an impact in my life if I bring you in closer right and it's definitely something to be said about like having time spent with people because like that's that's when you can really like develop those relationships and figure out if you want to hang out with them, you know, because you both, or not you both, but, like, everybody that you surround yourself with, and for those who don't know, it's called, you guys refer to it as Arrowhood because the area you grew up in was Arrowhead. Yeah. So, you know, that's where that that name really came from. Um, But it's, like, like you said, it's kind of important to have, like, people that, you know, you just hang out with and you're cool with, and then you kind of grow together, and that's where that, like, bond really, really stems from. Mm Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, like, let's let's kind of, like, bring it into, um, 
let's say like let's let's talk about your your first years at at Glendale Prep, the same school that me and you both went to. Yeah, we didn't really talk that much then, so I guess it was pretty different from yours. Right. Um, I don't know. It was probably just as interesting as yours was just trying to figure it out. Just for me, it was my first time actually going to a school where I had to wear uniforms and there were just so many strict rules. So it was a lot of adjusting too. Yeah. And also I didn't have anybody really who came with me from a different school. Yeah. So I, I had to make like all new friends basically. I had to just like introduce myself again. Like, but it was also cool cause it's a clean slate. Yeah, definitely. Like not going to lie in elementary school, I was definitely super nerdy and just like didn't really care about what other people thought about me and I guess when those like middle school insecurities started coming in you kind of want to associate more with people who are seen as cooler yeah no yeah I'm not saying that that like made me change for it or anything like that but you sort of like start seeing what other people value yeah and you kind of like it's more than just like video games and stuff like that yeah exactly and you know I think what you know, you bring a, a certain perspective where having not not only, like, friends that you made in school, but friends, you already have friends outside of school. Yeah. You had stuff to do. You weren't just, like, cooped up in the house. Like, if anything, you're, you're, you're part of the generation or part of the childhood where, like, you know, you, you hung out outside. Like, you, you learned lessons the hard way. Oh, you yeah. You know, <laughs> biking around or, you know, playing basketball with dudes that are, you know, older than you, bigger than you. You kind of, like, had to how to fend for yourself but also like kind of make, yeah it's, you know, it's that uh, it's that little bro mentality yeah the, the underdog kind of and it's funny because it's like all it's almost always that the youngest kid is that like pro football player because like they were always getting beat on or something yeah kind of hardened them yeah and I'm not saying that I'm going to be a pro football player or anything but it just kind of taught me yeah the mindset yeah just like kind of just stop complaining about shit alright so that was kind of like you know we could say up to up to middle school like the very end of it. Yeah. Um, high school rolls around and it's it's kind of different because you've kind of been at school for a little bit longer. You've you've made friends. Yeah, you basically know. I basically we all basically knew everyone. Right, and your older brother is in the same school that you're going to. Yeah. Not that that was a huge um, part of your life, but just no. But he had. He had connections and all that stuff, so, like, I got introduced to all the older kids. They all knew me as his little brother. Like, you're Jacob's brother. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I kind of had the same perspective, because, like, my brother was a year older than your brother. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I went through the same thing where it's like, oh, you're only known as so-and-so's little brother. But it kind of gets annoying to a point where, like, you're just like, I don't want to be so-and-so's little brother. I'm just, like, me. Like, why can't I just be me? Definitely. So, kind of talk about, like... Kind of talk about where you are, you were at in high school. Like, what, what, what did you really value in in high school compared to to what you valued? You know, say when you're in middle school. Uh, I think the worst thing that happened to me was girls, honestly. Yeah, and just yeah. like the introduction of everybody starts dating in high school, you almost feel like the pressure to date somebody else, and also you just start start having that desire to want to. And that that's interesting because. From my perspective, being at the same high school, I, I was kind of the opposite. I had no desire, actually, to really date. Um, so kind of talk about that. Like, what? why did you think you had a desire, regardless of, like, other people dating? Was it just, like, say, I don't know, puberty or, like, maturing? Is that why you wanted to date? Or It's that. Like, yeah, I definitely, like, thought girls were cute, and I wanted to, like, get to know them better. But I think it's also just almost that pressure, too. 
Yeah, so like basically, like for um, like dances and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You, you don't want to go alone. Nobody wants to go alone to a dance. And also, that's like almost your best opportunity, at least that semester, to go up to a girl and talk to yeah, her. Yeah, that was your highest probability of actually like going somewhere with them. Yeah, because I mean, at least freshman year, we we're still not driving. Right. You still, yeah. it's still almost like middle school. So that's a good point. Yeah. It's just a good excuse to see them at football games and stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess like going along this thread of girls, like let, let's talk about. Let's talk about, like, you know, your dating life in high school. What was that like? I don't think it really kicked off until, like, sophomore year. That's probably when I had my first serious girlfriend, at least, where my parents met them. And we actually started hanging out outside of school. And she she didn't go to the same school as you. Yeah, she went to a school probably, like, a couple miles away, though. So it wasn't that bad, but just through mutual friends right. we met. Which was, I guess, the MO of our high school is just branching out to different schools yeah that, that's at least you know what applied to to me and you definitely and i thought looking back then the sophomore year it was pretty cool that everybody else was dating somebody at our high school but you were one of the kids that wasn't you were dating a different girl that nobody knew about mm-hmm. so with that being said talk us through you know what what that relationship was like i thought it was cool i mean i think the best thing is about relationships is you get to learn a lot about yourself and you get to experience a lot of things that you wouldn't like asking someone out on a date for the first time asking someone to be your girlfriend for the first time like first kisses and stuff like that all those other firsts we don't got to get into but um it's just cool to i guess experience other things besides just hanging out with your guy friends or playing sports yeah there's definitely something different about it yeah and i mean from your perspective do you think that's kind of like important to kind of like have those 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 first like the nerves you have like before you even ask a girl out for the first time I'm pretty sure that's like at least you know as a 15 year old you just feel like you're gonna throw up yeah it's pretty intense yeah, it feels like if she says no it's the end of the world mm-hmm. um, so like do you think that's something important like to, to go through I mean or go through at that age I think everyone has to go through it eventually but definitely do it at your own pace yeah. Like, don't ever feel pressured to do something because then you'll regret it or you'll hurt somebody else because you're not doing it for the right reason. Like, if you just ask somebody out and they take it the wrong way and you're just doing it to get it over with almost, don't, like, don't do it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of, like, different between me me and you, like, our perspectives. Like, you had your first serious relationship when you were a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I had my first relationship when I was, like, 19 yeah. in college. Um, so it was definitely a different experience. Yeah, and, you you know because you're at different points in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's good or bad, you know, there can be a pro to con to, to both those ages. Yeah, I mean, I think I just look back at it as that stereotypical, that high school relationship where, like, yeah. it really kicks off and you really learn about yourself and you actually get to learn about another person for the first time. So going along with, you know, the whole high school thing, like, let's say around sophomore, junior year, what was your friend group looking like? That's when I was really hanging out with Carson and a couple other guys. We were pretty close. Um, I don't know. It was kind of interesting why we all hung out, but we didn't hang out with you guys. Yeah, I think... I guess it was just coming from middle school. It's just, like, the same tradition. We just kind of sit together, and then eventually we all started sitting together and just, like, basically covered up a whole row of lunch tables. Yeah, and, you know, me as a 15-year-old, I wasn't really focused on, like zeroing in on one particular friend group yeah um i was kind of just like talking to everybody well i was definitely doing other things where i had like friends from like extracurriculars that none of my 
normal guys that I hung out with on the weekend yeah. were doing. Like, so I still knew those people and I was cool with them, but it didn't get as serious as like spending time on the weekend or going to parties together. No, definitely. So we can we can end sophomore year and start to pick up like you know during junior year. Um, were you still dating this girl at the time, junior year? I think I was. Uh, I think we were only together for like eight months, but then it kind of fizzled out after that. I really don't remember why, unfortunately. That kind of makes me feel like a douchebag, but... I mean, at the end of the day, it's like it's been so long. You yeah, it's almost been six it. years. So, what, what was, like... What was Asher as a 16-year-old doing during junior year? Like, obviously, we were at school. Yeah. That was mandatory. But what was, what was outside of school looking like for you? Outside of school, that's when I really started hanging out with kids from, like, other prep schools that were, like, in our district almost, like, Anthem Prep. Yeah. I got in with them. I was really into photography then, so I was taking a lot of portraits of people that I knew. Yeah, you're kind of just, like, gaining different hobbies almost. Yeah, definitely. I started with film photography, and I liked that for a while, but as everyone who does film for a while knows, it gets really expensive after a while. Yeah, and that, and it also gets to a point where it's, like, I mean, we can go on the full fucking photography thread for forever, but <laughs> yeah. there comes to a point of diminishing returns. Definitely. Um, so, needless to say, junior year was kind of like, I don't want to say uneventful, but it was pretty set in stone. Like, you're just, obviously, you got our, this relationship with this one girl, mm-hmm. and you're kind of just hanging out with more people, trying to, like, just live your life as a 16-year-old. So, fast forward, senior year. I know senior year is pretty important for me and you. Yeah. But where were you at in senior year? What, what, what was Asher thinking about senior year? Unfortunately, the summer before senior year is when I really started, like, not caring about school because I felt like I was almost done. I had a year left, and I really, really got into partying, and I really got into drinking, and majority of the time just smoking, which is I wouldn't recommend to any high schooler. Because it's so easy for just your brain at that time to start abusing it. Yeah, you're impressionable. And just, yeah, you're so impressionable. And kids today are just have such addictive personalities, too. Like, I, I do, too. I'll be honest. But I just started smoking way too much, getting way too unmotivated about stuff. So, kind of continuing on with that there, I think that sets us up for, for what happened to, like, me, me and you. Yeah, getting kicked out. Yeah, so, obviously... You guys heard on the last podcast where where I was at um, in that part of our lives getting kicked out. But what was it like for you? Because I know you have, like, a different story than I had, obviously. Yeah, personally, one thing that really fucked me up about it was, like, it was at the end of my senior year of soccer. Yeah, it was, like, culminating to, like, what playoffs are. And we were about to be – we were just there. We needed one more win, and it was our last game against – a team that we have basically a rivalry with. I don't want to name this team or this school at all, but um, it. I was really. I, I don't know. That was my honestly my main priority. High school in high school was soccer. Yeah, because I, I would I, I would put together that. fall workouts, and if the guys wanted to come out for them, they'd come out for them. But like I really wanted to get our team ready because I felt like we could have at least made a playoff run, at least gotten a banner. Yeah, and the so- our high school doesn't have a soccer banner at all. Even to this day. Yeah. So I really wanted to do that. I know it seems, like, superficial and stupid, but... That's where you were I at, mean, as a 17-year-old, at least. Yeah, I mean, sports are something that are I think are really important, and I think you should do sports in high school. So going on with that, like, obviously, you know, 
this is coming up towards you know beginning of second semester when we got kicked out. I know when when I got kicked out, that was that was hard on me. But talk about when you got kicked out. Like what 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 were those following weeks? What did they look like for you? It definitely sucked. I mean, I mean, I probably was in denial about it at the time about it sucking, and I just took it as oh it's more time for me to just hang out, smoke and fuck around. Right. And that's what I took it as, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think I just kind of spiraled out after that. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't hop back into school as quickly as you did. I think I was out of it for maybe like two months. And there's a reason, at least at the beginning, why you weren't in school. Yeah. Um, I got in a really bad argument with my parents uh, about me getting kicked out and about me just smoking when we've had all those arguments so many times before. Right. And so they kind of were fed up with it, and it just got to the point where they couldn't handle it. So they sent me to a, um, what would it be, like a psych ward, basically? Uh, it's like a, you know... Mental hospital? Rehabilitation center yeah, like for, a, like, teenagers. Yeah, so they sent me there just for smoking because they thought, like, I was using it as a crutch for something, which probably, yeah. I don't think I was really address- addressing, like, my mental health at that time or, like, the fact that I was diagnosed with depression and all that kind of stuff. Right, and, I mean... Who's to say? And, I mean, one in two weed smokers fucking say, oh, I use it for my fuck. It's my medicine. Yeah. So I was one of those people, unfortunately. So getting out of out of um, the the rehabilitation center you're in, because that only lasts for, for like a week, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, Just being in there, though, was so interesting because first night I called my mom and I was like, Mom, you need to come up here and see these people and understand that I'm not one of these people because my roommate in there, shout out my roommate, that's actually the homie, like, RIP that boy, but he was withdrawing the whole time from Oxycontin, basically just throwing up and sweating and screaming the whole time. Yeah, so if anything, it kind of like, you were put into a place where you didn't belong, or at least you weren't on the same level as a lot of those kids that were in there. The positive I can take away from that, though, is it opened my eyes to realize how good my situation really is and how bad kids my age and younger have it. And yeah. it's not even their fault. They're, they're honest-to-God victims in those situations. But it's cool because, like, at least you walked away with it with a different, you know, uh, perspective on life. Definitely. And I, d- I don't, like, resent my parents because, like, I know they're always trying to do their best. And, like, yeah. I think at the end of the day, they really just threw their hands and were like, I don't know what I need to do right now. Right, and they, they basically made the best decision they thought oh, at definitely. the moment. Yeah. So getting getting out of that place, I know me and you, we were working at the same at the same job. Yeah, much, at Victory Lane. At Victory Lane, the baseball complex here in here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, kind of like talk talk about how that really shaped I mean us, but how did that shape you as a person? Dealing with like the people we had to deal with. Yeah, at both of our positions, we ran the front booth, and so we had to basically charge people to get in to the park, and most people really don't want to pay. Most people don't expect to pay at the front, so it's almost an argument every time with a grown-ass adult, Yeah, and we're only 18 at the time, like fresh adults, like young, young kids still, and so it really taught me just to like, it taught me more about how little there is between me and adults like how little maturity there is mentally because a lot of these adults would cry like babies over things and they just complain and complain and it's just like dude it's the rule of the park just just follow the rules yeah for the two hours you're here 
and it just made a lot of things seem really trivial that other adults were complaining about. So kind of like going along, so it's it's uh, it's 2018, and it's kind of like the first quarter of 2018 kind of passes. Getting into getting into the second quarter of 2018, that's when like all our friends from our old school Glendale Prep they were graduating. Yeah. And that was definitely an interesting time for us because, you know, we talked about it a lot in the first podcast. We probably don't have to touch on it again, but it was like it's kind of weird. Well, it was different for me personally because. I hadn't graduated yet. You had already graduated. Right. You were out of high school. You had a diploma. I didn't. I didn't graduate until the night before my college classes started. And definitely, um, that that that's definitely kind of like, I can only imagine, it's kind of just a weird feeling, because it's like... It makes you just feel shame, and you're just like kind of scared, because you're just like, fuck, I'm behind. Yeah, no, definitely. But also, you know, a lot of other stuff happened between then yeah. and then, um, you know, just the rest of, of life. Because obviously, you know, me and you, we, we had we had our best friend Carson at the time. And um, going, about, you know, going back to our first podcast, we kind of talked about this, like what happened. But we don't necessarily have to get into the specifics of what happened. But where did that leave you? Let's, let's talk about the night. Um, that everybody f- when everybody was told what happened let's talk about that night I know you were seeing I mean I, I wasn't I was told that morning right um, but but the night kind of like kicked a lot of stuff off like a lot of monumental things happened that night because yeah, I, I mean, knew but it was hard to reach out to you because you had your phone off uh, yeah I went you, I because didn't because you were with somebody yeah I didn't show up with anybody else I didn't really hang out with anybody else I know everybody sort of got together and we're around each other, which is good for them. But personally, I couldn't be there for that. I don't know why I couldn't. Well, I, I remember later that night you did show up, but there's that, that point in time between, like, when I got told, which was around, like, 10, 10 11 a.m., till when that, like, we went to that one girl's house where everybody was at, mm-hmm. and that was kind of about, like, 7, 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. So what, what were you doing between, you know, 10 a.m. and 8 p.m.? That day I had come home from the gym and Carter was there with his mom and they told me about it and I just immediately just dropped down yeah it's like a, it's definitely tough to think about cause that was like that was somebody important to you more so I mean I'm not I'm not trying to like discredit anything and I hate to say this every time because it feels like I'm fucking gatekeeping this kid but for this, literally, for six months before that day that he took his life, he was living in my house. And on the first night he went back to his house was the night that he took his life. So I had literally just seen him. I had literally just seen him every day. And it honestly just fucked me up. Yeah, and there's something to be said, because obviously... You, you had a different you had a different bond with him than a lot of other people did because like you said he was living at your house from pretty much let's just say the new year of 2018 all the way until when it happened yeah we hung out every day we hung out every day I'd drive him to his girlfriend's house when he needed to go see her I'd pick him up I'd and drive. this was before you even had a driver's license like he, yeah. he rode for that dude like I remember I remember at least one night specifically I went to your house just to like hang out because I was done with what I was doing and you're like, oh, we're going to go pick Carson up. And I'm like, I was, I don't even know. I was, 
I just didn't want to drive, but you're like, oh, oh, just hop in the car, I'll drive. I'm like, dude, you don't even have your license yet, and we're picking this kid up. Um, well, not just this kid, but it's like our best friend, but it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that just goes to, to show, I mean, the people listening, like, how much he meant to you, at least. No, nah, that was my boy. Like, one of the last conversations I had with him was him telling me how much he couldn't wait for his wedding so that we could all be best men at it. Like, yeah. he really was looking forward to that shit. And I knew it from the way he told me. And, like, it made me excited about that shit. Because at that time, we were both honestly lost. Like, we both didn't know what we were doing getting out of high school. And I think that's kind of, like, a natural feeling to have just being lost. But it wasn't more so... You don't have to think about being lost, but more so, like, you, you guys are just trying to figure it out. Like, this is the next step in life. Like, you graduate high school, then what? Yeah, so. I just think we weren't really, like, thinking that much. At least, we might have thought about it, but we didn't act on what we wanted to do. Right, and, like, I mean, obviously you guys had plans for what high school looked like, or what life looked like after high school. Like, Carson was going to go enlist in the Army, and he, he had his whole life figured out, like, what he wanted to do. Um, for those who don't know, he wanted to become... He wanted to work in, in the mental health field. He wanted to become a psychiatrist. Having gotten that experience of being in the Army, he wanted to help out a lot of veterans. And it just, you know, shows you kind of, like, who this kid was as a person. Like, he really thought about other people more so than himself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you were going into college. Kind of still, you didn't know what you wanted to do. But then, you know, like, the whole working in healthcare kind of, like, aligned with you. And, like, obviously, you know, your oldest sister, she's a nurse. And you're just like, well... She, she can do it, then, you know, you can do it, too. Yeah, and then just learning more about healthcare, at least from my perspective, I I saw it more as a very purpose-driven field that you could feel fulfilled in. Yeah, definitely. At least in nursing, compared to you wanted to go pre-med, so that's a little bit different. It's a lot more executive, a lot more business-oriented. Yeah. Nursing, I think I could have been fulfilled, and I still do think I can be fulfilled. It's just a set of skills that I'd like to have. Yeah, definitely, like, I, I can I can speak on nurses a lot, too, having, like, been around them a lot and um, having dating a few. They're, I mean, everybody's crazy at the end of the day, but it, it, there's something to be said about nurses. Like, they, they kind of, like, I, I know one of the girls I was dating, she said that nursing is, it's not about treating the symptoms, it's about treating the person themselves. Yep. And there's something to be said about you taking care of somebody who who obviously is at their worst point in their life. Yeah. So, let's just let's just end that part. Going into college, you were I don't know if you were dating or if you were seeing a different girl. Um, I guess I kind of skipped over one of your questions before, but right after Carson passed that day, one of my friends from high school texted me and wanted to know how I was. She wasn't as associated with Carson, but a pretty empathetic person, and she wanted to check on me. And so we started hanging out a lot, and that kind of just... You know, right, the the night of you hearing Carson's passing. Yeah, that's, that's where I disappeared, too. I just hung out with her, talked to her, or didn't really talk, just cried to her the whole time. And she listened. She, she was there. That's and that's really what I needed at the time. I didn't need yeah. to be around other people. I just needed to get it out and vent and scream. And like just <laughs> from my background about knowing a lot about I, I took a lot of, you know, behavioral health classes in college. It's like some people they don't need advice about how to move on. They just need somebody to hear them. So 
and I think something that was very interesting about the way I took it, I was still there for people. I still was able, I, I still took it in a way that I was able to coordinate like meals where we could all be together and talk and see each other. And I was still trying to actively keep people together and keep people all as one, as ironic as it sounds when you're, I disappear. You're trying to fix people. Yeah, yeah, as weird as it sounds when I disappear the first night, but I guess I just had to take a take a day for myself. I mean, we, we all responded differently that day on like how, like what we needed to do. Like for me, I went to the gym, you know, because I didn't want to see people essentially until like the memorial that night. And you used to want to see people at all. Yeah. Besides for this one girl. So, I mean, we don't have to talk too specifically about this one girl in that point in time, but I know that you you and her kind of, like, kind of, that night kind of hit it off for the you, you know, for you and her. So explain, like, you know, going into college, what, what did it look like after all this happened with Carson? Honestly, it just didn't make me very enthusiastic. And I think where our stories differ is I went to uh, JUCO, so I went to a community college instead, and community college is basically just high school all over again. You don't really see those people besides the class. There's no real community environment where you're living together on campus and you have to try and find, like, things to do right. with these people. So, you know, where, where me and your story kind of diverge is I started making new friends, living my life, being at a university, being at, at ASU, and you going to community college you didn't really have that that university life so you were still hanging out with a lot of the same friends yeah a couple of them that we had since high school Mm -hmm. Uh, so explain explain like where your mindset was at around that time this is like you know going deep into 2018 the second half of it let's just say yeah um i don't think i was very enthusiastic about school i didn't really take it seriously i was still just sort of trying to figure out what I was doing. I mean, my best friend was gone, and it felt like I was almost substituting people in there. Yeah, you're trying to, like, fill a void. Yeah, and that made me feel shitty in and of itself because I almost felt guilty at the time. But it is kind of like... I mean, you know, in the world of psychology, they they, they say it's the... um, I forgot what the exact term is, but it's basically, like, being the guilty survivor... Yeah. I definitely felt a lot of guilt after because I felt like I didn't show him as much care as I should have. Right, and that that's just to be said about, like... So for people that don't know, like, suicide, it really affects more than just the person that died. Like, it affects everybody around them more so than any other form of death. Like, now you got to think about, like, what are their parents thinking? They're probably like, oh, if I was only a better parent, they'd still be here. Their siblings are thinking the same thing. If... Maybe if I, you know, talked to them that one night, they would have done it. Um, but, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there because that's, that's all in hindsight. And hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, so kind of like progressing with where you were. And this is like after all of this happened, you're, you're kind of coming to terms with, you know, they're not here anymore. At least for me, what I was saying to myself was they're not here anymore. So why am I dwelling on the past? I need to really, like, not let this set me back and just kind of, like, fulfill everything I can, not only for myself but for them. Because him being our friends, he didn't, He probably wouldn't want us to be stuck on yeah. just thinking about, oh, he's gone. So that that's what hit me, but speak on your experience regarding that. I mean, 
I definitely had to change my perspective on how I was looking at it. I was definitely focusing on the loss part of it and not trying to inspire myself. And I think eventually I was able to really motivate myself and realize that now I'm living a life for two. Yeah. I have my first tattoo is a memorial sleep to him. And just looking at it reminds me that he's always with me and that I'm doing this for both of us. I'm trying to experience life to the fullest so that because it's worth it. Because he did it. Yeah. I mean, the thing that always brought me comfort was knowing that if we could talk to him now, he'd probably say he regrets doing it. He's like, oh, I probably should have done that. But obviously, you know, we, we really can't say that and live that, you know, live that idea out. So I think it's really important what you said about, like, you're not only doing it for yourself now, but you're also doing it for him because he can't. And um, He'd just be so pissed if I wasn't. Right. I know he would be. And that's kind of also where like, Less Friends, More Family came along. Because, obviously, uh, for those that don't know, that he was kind of like, I don't want to... He was essentially the founder of the that term, that phrase. Um, and then, again, you know, he was there those nights me and Asher were trying to figure out, like, what would a logo look like for it. And, you know, he was there putting his input on, in on it. And a lot of what we do now is kind of like... Ba- I don't want to I don't want to say it's strictly based on what he would think would, you know, look cool or be cool, but it's kind of, you know, he definitely influences it. Um, but I mean, that's, that's like besides the point, like going back to your life. So let's just say, you know, for your first semester of college, you weren't as motivated, but let's go, let's go to the second semester of your freshman year at a community college. And now you're dating the girl that was there for you that night that Carson passed away. Yeah. So if anything, touch on that relationship. Like where, where was that at, at that point in time from, from what you can remember? I think... It was. It just definitely felt more real, mostly because I was an adult at that time, and I did. I wasn't in high school, so I didn't have that high school mindset. Um, I think it was a. It was a good relationship for what it was. It definitely had its rough patches and drama, of course. But all relationships have drama, and they're all toxic at the end of the day. Yeah, kind of. It goes back to like uh, at least how we see relationships. Like, think about girls. You know, every girl's crazy. It's just like, what what can you deal with and what can you handle? Everybody's crazy, not just girls. So, going going further into, you know, your life, let's just say now you're turning 19. You're still dating this girl. But this is like coming... It, this, you're, you're really hitting, like, the rough patches. Yeah. And you can kind of see the end is in sight. Yeah. What was that like, knowing that? knowing that you know that there's an end to this because like at least in all my relationships I I didn't see an end to it until it happened but what was that like for you knowing that there is an end to this I think it just really scared me because I started to not recognize myself especially during fights or an argument or anything like that like I wouldn't I'd look back on it or I'd just kind of stop in the moment and be like what am I doing like why am I yelling at her about this? Or, like, why am I, like, putting so much into this right now? Yeah. And you kind of, like, didn't like the person you were becoming because of that. Yeah, it's... I mean, I don't want to air this shit out on people, and I don't want to, like, talk bad on people, but the fact of the matter is, I got cheated on. And at that point, I should have just walked away. At that point, I should have known this isn't worth it. I shouldn't be even fighting with her about this I should just walk 
and I wasn't doing that, and that's when that, what really scared me. Yeah, so now now you're stuck as a 19-year-old. You're stuck with this new situation of being cheated on. And not only did you get cheated on, you're at a young age when all this happened, and it's the first time it's ever happened to you. Yeah. What made you give it a second chance? Or what made you stay in it longer than you should have? I think it's just the Midwest kindness that I was raised with. It's always giving people second chances, always thinking the best about people, hoping that they're going to be just as empathetic as me or just as caring. Right, and, and you know, there's something to be said. Like, you can go either way with that argument. Because um, you know me, I'm, I, just, I still believe in that wholeheartedly. Like, It's good to, but at some point, you got to stop saying it about someone when they're giving you the opposite evidence. Yeah. And you really have to, at that point, really start protecting yourself. Right. And I just wasn't doing that at the time because I felt like I think the relationship was still benefiting me by having somebody there just still dealing with that loss so let's let's just jump forward to when it ended and I know there's this point in time this period of time at least where you're single now but you're kind of like planning out your next move like what does your next move look like like what did you do after that relationship ended after that relationship ended um, I got a different job I feel like you have to try and change something in your life after a relationship it's like new scenery almost yeah so I got a different job and I um just started trying to surround myself with different people and unfortunately to me again I thought that that meant to uh surround myself with a different girl naturally almost. yeah cause I thought oh that's just there's nothing wrong with me and then I should just go on to someone else yeah and so I did that and that probably wasn't the best idea again. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, at, at the time, you didn't, you didn't see it as a bad thing. No, but that's just because I don't think I was really self-assessing myself the way you ought to as an adult. Right. Because you're only 20-some for a while. Well, even at the time, you're still 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that being said, new girl in your life, new job, change of scenery, you're kind of progressing in where you want to go, like, academic-wise, at least. Yeah, definitely. What What was that... Lay, lay the groundwork for what that relationship was like for people that are listening. Um, I guess it was different because this girl I didn't really know in high school at all or didn't know anything about her, so I, this is just a whole new person. You knew of her at the time, but you didn't know Yeah, her we had her. talked a couple times before that, and I had seen her a couple times, but just getting into that new relationship with somebody else so quickly, I wasn't able to really figure out anything about them pre-dating. Yeah, you, and then even when you are dating, it's like you're stuck in this honeymoon phase where, where everything nothing seems perfect. Yeah. Um, and fuck, I'm, I'm one to talk because that's, <laughs> that, I mean, you, you, you know that about me. Um, well, so, love is blind. Yeah, love is blind, or at least the initial moments of love are blind, especially being a young person. Yeah, the infatuation. So, with that being said, you know, the you know the first part of your relationship with her seemed perfect. Like nothing is wrong about this person, right? But talk about stuff that you you kind of like got to know as you were dating her more and more that you didn't necessarily like. Well, things that I didn't necessarily like came out 
not from her telling me, but more from me finding out, either from her slipping up or just it coming out of nowhere, and you kind of just have to figure it out then. And I think that really put me in a bad situation because I'm dating this girl, and from what I knew about her, I liked her, and I wanted to date her, but then I'm finding out little things almost every month to where I almost have to decide, do I still like this girl? Do I still want to date this girl? Should she even be dating right now? So not only are you you know acknowledging that you're figuring out more stuff about her, but you're acknowledging the fact that your conscience is kind of taking over. You're like, should I really be in this situation right now? Yeah. Um, and me being your friend, I, I saw it all from the outside, and I knew you stayed in it for longer than you should have. Yeah. I mean, I dated her for, what, two and a half years? Yeah, I mean... Two and a half years, and we much. probably broke up and got together, got back together about, like, eight to ten times. Yeah. So, not not to skip over the rest of your life, because obviously, like, this is this is the girl you're dating at the time, but let, let's just talk about... Let's talk about uh, your job at the time and the people you became friends with. What was that like for you? It was cool because I feel like I really clicked with somebody random. Right. Yeah, like, the first time I met my boy Jake, I didn't think we were ever going to be friends. He's this, like, 6'2", six, 6'3"? Six, I don't know. He's tall as fuck. Yeah, uh, D-back from this high school. So I just didn't think we were going to be bros. At the job that I was working at, it was just a lot of more kind of douchey people not gonna lie we were all kind of douchebags it's the nature of the job you were working yeah at. just in uh, the fitness industry and stuff like that but it was cool we just started clicking on different things other than liking to work out we were both into cars at the time so he actually drove me to go get uh my miata when i first bought it and drove it back for me because i didn't even know how to drive stick at the time yeah so that was cool because it brought us closer together and then we started going to car meets together all of us. And he really got into the brand when we kind of forced him into getting the shop with us. But we all definitely had a lot of fun there. Not to not to skip too far ahead because there's some other stuff that I think we should... We don't have to like go in depth about it, but we can touch on. So not only did you meet Jake, who's our friend currently and who, who he shared the shop with, but you met yeah. other people there. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Also, because of the fitness industry, there's a lot of cute girls there. So, kind of fall in love a bit. So, I met a couple of them and sort of got infatuated with people again. Just got caught up with all that, unfortunately. Which is just... It's neither here nor there. No, I guess it just kind of plays into the the fact that I'm easily distracted. Yeah, and, you know, obviously it doesn't help either if you're in a relationship that's just not good for you at all. Yeah. you kind of try to find outlets for how you're feeling. Yeah, and it just makes you realize how different people can treat you like they're they'll actually like listen to you about your day or like actually care about what you have to say about something yeah and i i know i mean not not to to get in detail too much but i know one of those girls you're talking to she was starting to do stuff for you like action wise that was different like bringing you lunch yeah bringing me lunch stuff like that it was cool i mean i guess i just kind of read into that a little bit too much just because, probably because I was just in such a shitty spot already. Right. To where almost any 
sort of normal behavior seemed... Not even normal behavior, just, like, behavior that's different. Yeah, anything different just felt better. So I was like, wow, this is actually how you're supposed to treat people, not, like, how I'm being treated at the moment. So, you know, fast forward ahead. Um, Me, you, and Jake, we signed the lease on the shop. Yeah. It's a cool day. It was a a fucking great day. Um, What was that like for you in terms of, like... Less Reservoir family becoming something more legitimate than just us throwing that that phrase around. My favorite part about getting that shop was when I slapped up our first sticker on the door and took it off and just peeled off the back spot and just was able to see it like concrete on a business. Quote yeah, it's unquote physically business. there. It's on a door. And that door has our unit number. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, it's just us becoming more legitimate as a, as a company. Um, for those who don't know, Lester's Work Family is actually an LLC. Um, and that was another step, at least I took, when we started going hard at it. Like, you know, it, it had to become something more than just an idea. And the only way it was... It's too good of a name. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's good that I fucking finally have it and it's ours and nobody else's. So don't take our shit. Kind of, kind of going, going ahead into what, what the shop was like. Obviously, we had a few parties. Um, that's where I had my 21st, actually. And it was just with you and Jake and the, the girls we were dating at the time. Um, let's just fast forward ahead, because I feel like a lot of the stuff that happened at the shop we already talked about in, yeah. the, in the first episode. Yeah. So let, let's skip to, like, let's skip to February of 2022. This year? Of this year. Okay, a couple months ago? Yeah. It's 2021, I mean, it was just partying, cars. Me getting back together with her eight to yeah. ten times, yeah. Y'all don't want to hear about that. Forth. You're just going to start rolling your eyes on the seven. But I think what was monumental for at least me and you is uh, February was a pretty impactful month or moment in time. What happened in February? Um, February, I think I just had had enough. And I think I had matured enough to realize that this wasn't good for either of us because we both weren't addressing ourselves at the time. Me and this girl, not you and I. But right, yeah, yeah. I finally just was able to maturely just say, I can't do this with you right now. Not even right now. It's just like that person. That person, has, yeah, that person just wasn't who I thought she was. And that's no discredit to her at all. But it's just not who I want to be with. She can be hurt, and I'm not mad at her for who she is, but it's just different from me. Yeah, your life doesn't correspond at all. It's not congruent with her life. I just, yeah, I just didn't see a a real future that we'd both be happy with because we weren't happy with who the other person was at the time. And kind of to to provide some more insight from from an outside perspective, it's you were in a different mindset. You were trying to grow. Yeah. And she wasn't, bottom line. She was basically playing victim. And you were tired of being a victim because you were a victim to a lot of stuff in your life. Yeah. You were a victim to your best friend passing. You were a victim to the circumstances of your life just naturally. You were a victim of how girls treat you. And you were tired of that. You, you kind of wanted to take control of your life again. And I think what was monumental, at least from my perspective, is you finally said enough's enough. And you kind of... Because previously in 2021, you said, yeah, me and her broke up. But then 
you know, some time passes. And Probably then, a week later, yeah, you'd see us together. A week later, they're back together. And I was always just like, what the fuck? Like, I thought this was done. Uh, so when you said in February that, you know, you and her weren't seeing each other anymore, I was kind of just like, oh, whatever. Like, give it another week, give it two weeks, and they'll be back. But they really weren't. And February is also the same month that I got broken up with, with the second girl I was seriously dating. So that kind of put us into... Not a whole, but it put us into the same spot now. Definitely. Where it's like me and you are both are both single. I guess the first time we've really talked talked seriously about something like that. Like I I tell you my problems or something about a relationship, but that's when we really started giving each other advice and really started being honest with each other. Yeah, it's definitely this point in time, whether it's a maturity thing or just like the time in your friendship with somebody, it's where you can be completely honest with them and say hey, this isn't the best thing for you, and you know that, and me as your friend, I'm telling you that. Like, he was the one telling me that if she ever wants to get back together with you, you shouldn't do it just because who she is as a person. And me, on the other hand, was also telling him the same thing. Uh, this girl is not good for you at all. She's, quite frankly, insane, and you should be seeing her if you are serious about growing yourself as a person. Because, from my perspective, she was holding you back. She was that fucking dead weight. She was the anchor. That was just dragging along with you trying to progress. So, with that being said, let's go 2022, April 9th, your birthday. You turned 22 <laughs> years old. I really can't I speak on this. I take you out this. to Mill. Yeah. This is when the story gets good. That's when my story, or my recollection of the story really ends, honestly. Let's just talk about... Get, give the people that are listening a perspective of going to Mill for the first time. The excitement of, like, going to a college town. Because yeah. for those who don't know, Mill Ave is in Tempe, right next to ASU. You've never been there. You've hardly even seen ASU. Yeah. What's that like? Like, what are, what are the nerves? Tell us the nerves in the car right there, me driving you there. Well, I pre-gamed a little bit, so I don't think I was too nervous. But I think I was more excited over anything. I was definitely excited because I got to see a lot of my friends I hadn't seen in a while. Some other people were coming that I hadn't met yet, and I got to meet them too. And just, honestly, I don't really go out much at all, really. And that was probably the first time I really went out to a bar or a club. And so I was pretty excited. I had an open mind, which was good. I wasn't overly anxious about anything. Yeah, you are kind of just like, you had no worries anymore, like... Definitely, The yeah. breakup happened a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, I was hyped to get out again. Yeah, you just put yourself out there. Not even for the sake of meeting somebody else, just for you. <laughs> like, you wanted to choose yourself over anybody else. Yeah, I think I did some dumb shit because of that, but we'll get into that. But, so, Mill Lab happens, and, you know, for, for Asher, who doesn't remember what happened, what, what happened was essentially Asher drank too much within I the span of... I think I had about, like... Eight to ten shots in two hours. Put it this way: I parked the car at like eight p.m., seven p.m. Let's just say I was home before eleven. He was home before eleven, and that's an, about a forty-minute drive home. So, needless to say, you got pretty you got pretty rinsed. Yeah, I blacked out and started throwing up. <laughs> for for him, just to just to experience what that was looking like from the outside, I literally took two minutes to go piss, and I come back. To everybody telling me that Asher threw up all over himself. <laughs> and me trying to salvage the night look like me telling, all right, everybody just, like, stand around him. 
so the security doesn't see that he's fucking shit-faced, so they don't kick him out. Because we can stay here a little longer. It, it, the night was just getting started on Mill Nobody Ave. Nobody wanted to move yet. We just got in there. But needless to say, he gets kicked out. So if he gets kicked out, we all have to go. So we're, we're all walking him out. Um, and Carrying this, me out. And this is a part where you don't even remember. Like, people are taking pictures of you. Yeah. And Everyone got hyped about everybody's just Everybody's more hyped off of him blacking out than he was hyped blacking out. Um, it took us it took us two tries at getting an Uber to get you home. Our boy Jake had, was the one that carried you into your own house. And one of my friends cussed out the first Uber driver. We can't forget that. Yeah, that that's almost important. got arrested. Um, yes, yeah, so needless to say, Mill the first time was a great fucking night for you. Definitely, Minus blacking out. Definitely a learning experience. You learned a lot. Don't take drinks. Yeah, don't 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 get peer pressured into drinking. I'll I'll tell the audience that. But um let's just let's just talk touch a little bit about Mill Night One versus Mill Night Two. So for for those who don't know what we're referring to is uh one of the girls Asher was talking to at the time invited her out for her twenty first birthday. But ever since Milton, the first time happened, me and you are both buzzing. Like, yeah, I mean, we consistently. were both, we were both in Aries season. So yeah, needless to say, we also, yeah. Everything was going good. Every day felt like it was fun. We were always doing something. Had a good packed schedule, which is always nice. Yeah, yeah and like, it's, it, it's, it's good to, to fill your time because it helps you forget about, you know, the shitty stuff in life. Yeah. But let's just jump right into Mill the second night. Talk about talk about before we even get in the car to go there. What what was the text like between me and you? Yeah, I was basically begging him to come out with me because I didn't want to go alone. Because I don't even I the first time I was there I don't even remember it. So I don't know where I'm going. So I needed him to come out. Finally he caved like twenty minutes before I was supposed to leave. So I got to pick him up, and that was nice, so we got to go together. He got to see it firsthand. For the people that are listening, I'll, I'll just fill you in on the car right there. <laughs> we get off the freeway. It's like the, the first fucking red light we see from being on the freeway. And Asher tells me, dude, I'm, like, nervous as fuck right now. I don't go out much. I really don't go out much. I don't go out of my way to meet new people. I don't go to bars or talk to people. I don't really try just really shy about that kind of stuff so it was really interesting and kind of scary but like we had said before about first times you kind of have to have that first time to get that first time jitter out and i'll just i'll just also say this too riders ride that's the only reason why i got out of the house so i'll set, had a fun time though i'll set the logistics and the groundwork for for basically the lead up to the the meaty part of that night I first tell him to park far as fuck away from where we were supposed to go. Yes, we walk like a mile. So we, we had this walk of shame almost for a mile long to go from basically what is the north end of Mill to the very south end of Mill. And the whole time, he's telling me, I'm fucking nervous as shit. And I'm just like, why? This is just another fucking, this is another fucking Friday night for us. But needless to say, I mean... Like, like, what, what, what was your, what was your, not goal or intention, but what, what, what did you think was going to happen that night? I don't know. I hadn't seen this girl in a really long time. 
since before that. So I just really wanted to see what she was about because people change, of course. It had been almost two years since I had seen her last. So really just and more nervous about what she was then. Sort of just like setting myself up for failure almost. So <clears throat> me and you were walking we're, and we're talking and I'm trying to like hype you up as best as I can. And for people who know Mill Ave, we're basically essentially walking from like Tempe Town Lake Bridge to fucking Pedal House Brewery on the south side of Mill. Tell the people what it was like walking in to Pedal House. To Pedal House? I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who I was going to see at the table. I didn't really know like what was going to go down. And these were all people I didn't know, and I never put myself in situations like that. So it was definitely a learning experience, a bunch of names flying by my face. I don't remember any of them, honestly. And in regards to the table, where were you sitting next to this girl? She sat me down right next to her. And I'll be the bad guy to tell the story. Essentially, there's this dude sitting next to her, and... and I'll, I'll be the bad guy because I, I have no I have no skin in the game anymore. What's done is already done for me. Essentially, Asher just scoots this dude over. Well, this girl tells this dude to scoot over for Asher. And me just trying to be a boy, I scoot him one down more where he's half-cheeking it on the damn table. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't think anything of it. And Asher's just like, all right, prime time. Like, I'm in the perfect position. I'm, I'm in the sitting right next I'm to her. I'm set. So it was cool. We talked a while there. And then what happened after that? Oh. We go to the hotel. Yeah, she had a hotel there with her friend. And so we had to drop off her birthday cake there. And then her friend iced us out of nowhere. Like, we get up in the room, and then we just get iced. Like, like it's 2018 again. Well, I'll put it this way. This chick hyped herself up to, to say that she was hazing us, intending Greek life. Like, for people that don't know, Asher went to community college, so he doesn't know Greek life. Is like, I went to ASU, so I know all about Greek life because I'm in a fraternity. So essentially she said, close your eyes, and I thought the chick was going to change in the room. Yeah, I was cool with that. I'd rather she had done that than give me an ice. But no, we just opened our eyes to... The worst form of icing ever. Placing the damn Smirnoff ice right next to us. Yeah, the gross white one, too. Just the regular. Well, I mean, that's, like, traditional, yeah. but the way in which, like, when you ice somebody, it has to be, like, in a clever way. And there's nothing clever about just setting the ice right next to the person. Like, if it was right in front of the door, and, like, she made me open the door to get in. Or, like, ask you to open the closet, and yeah, guess what? It's behind the closet door. I would've, that would've been good. That would've been respectable. Either way, I don't, my, I don't say no to In my to mindset, drink. I basically told her, I'm not fucking drinking this Smirnoff ice because you iced me in the worst way possible. Like, it's not even cool. <laughs> he really took it personally. I did. <laughs> from being somebody from Greek life, like, I take this shit serious. If you're going to haze, you better fucking follow through with it. Put some effort. But no, you just sat it right next to me. Asher, being who he is, drinks the ice. I'm easily influenced, as you could tell from that first meal story. Not only did he drink his whole ice, he drinks the girl... Who didn't ice us, but the other girl that he was talking to, he drinks her ice because she couldn't even drink it all. Yeah. And I bullied this other chick that iced us into drinking mine because I'm like, no, you're not getting away with a half-ass ice. So that that's when the story progresses. We're in the elevator. I was just trying to look like a good sport. Asher was doing everything right. I was trying, yeah. He was really doing everything right. And to a normal girl, it would have been perfect. But needless to say, this girl's not normal. 
we walk down to the, or we, we take the elevator down to the lobby, right, and meet up with the rest of the people. Yeah, well, one other, two other people stayed. I think it was three. Oh, it was yeah. the dude that we pushed off to the end of the table, <laughs> yeah, and then that, that other couple. And tell us about the dude that we pushed off to the end of the table. What was he like from seeing him at Pedal House all the way to when we saw him at the hotel? I mean, my first impression when I just looked over and saw him was this guy's shit-faced. Uh, and to, to, to preface and put context for the audience, he was shit-faced off half a beer. Half a pint yeah. of beer. And a pint is 16 ounces. So that would be 8 ounces of beer. A cup. Uh, yeah, a cup. So, I mean, needless to say, that was interesting already. Yeah, so I just thought he was there to have fun. But then he, yeah, he was shit-faced already, and I, I couldn't believe it. So, you know, let, let's just fast-forward a little bit. The girl that iced this had to eventually, inevitably, drink the ice in the, in the elevator. And uh, for, for those who don't know, this is the same girl that I was had a situation ship with at the time. I wish we had a video of this podcast so I could put the video up right now so they could see it. You know what? We might just put the video up and we post it to Instagram. Because, honestly... I have no hope for this ever coming back cut the audio from it and then just put us talking about it over it or something. Yeah, so, needless to say, we'll just skip ahead past when that happened, right? Yeah. She drinks the ice of the elevator. Looks like she's about to puke can't even drink it in one pull. She probably took 10 different pulls to finish a 12-ounce bottle of Smirnoff Ice. They're kind of fizzy. I'm, I'm not going to lie. But for somebody who's saying that they hazed or they were hazed before and now they're hazing us, I, my hazing experience was a lot more intense than that, so that didn't fucking even phase me. A lot more traumatic. Yeah. A lot more traumatic. But we don't haze. We, we, we don't haze. Continue with the story. We're walking down Mill Ave to the second spot of the night. And for those who know what Mill Ave is, it's Low Key Piano Bar. Talk us through what was going through your mind at Low Key Piano Bar. It was pretty cool. I've never been there before, of course. But um, I don't know. I mean, we, we all just got drinks and we just hung around and listened because it's a live music venue. I don't know. I mean, nothing really significant happened there, I feel like. Just kind of hung out. And yeah, you're just feeling things out. Like you're you're not you're not overextending. You're just no. I mean, it's hard to have a there. conversation when there's just like an actual drum set right next to you, just banging away. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, there's more details we could get into about what exactly happened there. But, but what, what do you think is is crucial to, to let them know? I think what was crucial is call this Asher's inexperience of being on mill and taking a girl out on a proper date, or not even a proper date, but just like acting on mill it's like me and him we both had piss at the same time so we're like we're going to the bathroom and then the other girl who you weren't talking to but who i was talking to also was like i need to use a restroom and you know we finished doing what we need to do in in the men's restroom but you were waiting for the girl that you weren't even trying to get after to get out of the bathroom just to look like a nice guy so i whisper in this guy's ear it's also instinctually i whisper in this guy's ear there's no need for two people to wait for one chick. So you should go back to the girl that you're trying to talk to and keep her company because we left one person behind. And for people who don't know, leave no man behind. <laughs> Even if we don't fuck with him. Well, I mean, I, uh, I don't have to get into that. But leave no man behind, especially when you're there with them. So I'm telling, the, I'm telling Asher, you need to go back to her and keep her company because essentially yeah. she's holding down three seats by herself. 
Thank God, because I was probably just sitting there, just zoned out. No, you were on your phone, <laughs> posted up on the wall. I'm just like, Definitely dude, you have better out. things to do. Go keep her company. Yeah. And yeah. I'll wait for this chick, because I was also trying to, like, talk to her. Um, we get us at in a different podcast, but we, we ended up leaving low-key piano bar. And uh, me being the dickhead I was, I told Asher I wanted to be back home before midnight. You told me that the moment you stepped in my car that night. But... This guy. To provide context, nothing good happens after 12. Whether it's 12 a.m., 12 beers, 12 shots, whatever. Nothing good happens after 12. And essentially, from what we know of the story so far, or thus far, it's good we didn't stay that long. Because we walked them to the, their third spot of the night, Glow Nightclub on the Ave. And that's when I'm like, yeah, I need to go home. I don't care if you're going with me or not, but I'm going. And I don't know how it ended up, but you were just like, yeah, I'm not going to go either. So we both fucking hump it back to the car. I just didn't feel like paying for that $100 Uber ride home. Because essentially I was going to take Ash's car to drive my ass home, and he'd Uber back to my house and grab his car. But I just told him, like, dude, we're not getting any more out of this night. Definitely, yeah. She's sharing a hotel room with this chick. Nothing's going to happen. So we leave. I mean, okay, that's not what I want. I sound like a douchebag if that's what I want. No, but, like, it's just, like, the whole scene. It's, like, nothing's going to pan out. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this girl wasn't even, like... She went on Mill, and this is from my perspective. She went on Mill for her 21st birthday, acting like it wasn't her 21st birthday. Like, she hardly drank anything. She had, what, one beer and yeah. supposedly a shot or a cocktail at Pedal House. And then half a spurt off ice. So that's not even fucking three proper drinks. That being said, though, she did black out on her actual 21st from a power hour. But if you go to Mill Ave and you spend the money to get a hotel room... Yeah, I'm going gonna, gonna to need that whole Exactly. You better Definitely. get your money's worth out but of that's that just, hotel room. Maybe that's my mindset. Yeah, I'm going to stumble up there and hopefully find it. So, you know, me and you, we're walking back to the car because we've got a far-ass walk. We're talking about how the night went. Asher's hyped for me because I got a phone number. I'm hyped for him because he got some FaceTime and that's all he wanted out of it. Set the scene. It's a good night. Set the scene for the next interaction you have with her. Uh, well, we just we just went to the gym and lifted. Okay, skip past that. Set the scene for the third interaction you had. Oh, okay, yeah. Since we both had a little bit of skin in the game, with uh, Ben getting this girl's number, and them setting up a date that previous that next weekend, we decided to go check on them. See how they did, because I was kind of curious about how Ben was in the field. I wanted to see him working. He <laughs> saw firsthand. I was, I mean, I'm I mean, he was, he, my he was doing great. He was doing great. Took it to a great spot. I thought it was cool. Wish I had thought about it. <laughs> so we go there. We check up on them for a bit, say hi, and then we go off and do our own thing, which is cool. So I got to talk to her again. Hear about it's work. not like you guys went off to a different place. You literally sat one well, seat down from Like us. three, like three seats. Come on. Respectful. But yeah, then we hung out for a bit, and that was cool. So it was like a win-win. I got to see what Ben was up to. Check in on him. From my perspective, I thought I thought life was going great for me. Yeah, it was pretty good. Until three weeks happened, and then or yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Um, but we don't got to get into that. Let, let's just talk about what happened when. Obviously, me and you had to part ways. I had to drive her back home, but I would yeah. tell you I would see you that same night because I would drive back to our side of town because a girl that I was dating lives far as fuck from us. Yeah. Um. So I make it to our part of town. I pick him up. We go over to our buddy Sean's house. 
Mm-hmm. Explain what happens at Sean's house. And this is, like, the, the most heartbreaking moment of my entire life. And I've been fucking lied to by girls. And this was still heartbreaking for me. I mean, I guess my mindset going into that was just like, okay, I saw her on her birthday. We went to the gym together. And then we crashed your date. There hasn't been really an official date yet. So I wanted to just... But it seems like things are going well It seemed you. like it was going good. We text back and forth. Um, she let me buy her drinks, I guess. Maybe. I don't know, because like, I feel like... I don't know. We don't got to get into specifics. Yeah. I feel like... No, because if I, had, if I had a girlfriend, I'd let them take free drinks. Yeah, because it's less money out of your pocket. Facts. Yeah. So but I thought everything was going good. I thought we were clicking. So I asked her out on a date. And then she that me, night? Yeah, that night. And then she lets me know that she's seeing somebody, which completely blindsided me because I was just like, but I'd seen you like three times this week. I thought you'd be like busy with a boyfriend or something if you're seeing somebody like that. So I just got confused out of nowhere and felt kind of stupid, honestly, after. Just for like letting myself think that it was more than it was. So I guess I just like overthought in the opposite way. And to throw another curveball at this story. Oh, yeah. It was the dude drunk off of ha- a cup, an actual eight-ounce cup of beer at Pedal House, that at, uh, mill that previous week. So it's just like... And it, it, from my perspective, it kind of sucked because I had to break the news from Asher because... He was getting all the tea from from the, friend. From the best friend of the girl yeah. that Asher was trying to talk to and who I was talking to at the moment. So I just felt like a straight-up idiot after for just, like, not even noticing things, I guess. Like I well, just... I feel like an idiot now because I promised this girl I would never tell about this, but here I am on the record telling this story. But you know what? It's what a podcast will do. And also, it's what, it's what females will do to you as a dude. Yeah. Like. But yeah, anyways. I'm still confused, honestly. That brings us to the current moment of Asher's life. I'm just in a state of confusion, to be honest, but... I mean, if there's one lesson you learned from all of this, what would you have to tell people? From all my experiences? No, from this specific experience. Ooh. That's interesting. Let me think about that. Um, Well, I'd say I don't regret any of it. Right. Looking back at each one of those times I saw her, I had fun. I had a lot of fun, honestly. I think she's a cool person. I'd still like to hang out with her, like, just as friends, because I think it's just that good of a relationship as friends. But, I don't know. Learn from everything. Because that's where I'm at right now. I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it might have been a bust, but I learned from it, and I'm not regretting any of those situations that I was in, because I think I acted the right way and was able to learn things about myself through all of that. And also just, if you're going to talk to anybody, I guess just be straight up. And that's something that I, being the person with insider information, I was telling him because I knew more of the story than he did because I was, I was talking to this girl who happened to be the best friend of the same girl that Ash was talking about. Um, and to put this on that record too, like I still would like to be friends with both of them because I think they're good people. But also, I think it's important that you take away a pretty important lesson when it comes to, to dating in general. Like, if you have intentions... Make them known. Let them be known. Because, I, one, life's short. Might as well be honest with everybody and honest with yourself. 
because then if not, you're just going to be angry at yourself. And at the end of the day, the only answers you have to ask yourself are the ones that were left unanswered because of your decisions in life. Most definitely, and those are usually things that you didn't do. Right. Like, Like I said before, we don't regret the decisions we made. We regret the decisions we did make. Definitely. Um, and now, you know, it brings us to the present. Like, that's that's your life so far and where you're at right now. Yeah, now I'm just really focused on school, trying to get a hospital job at the moment, just self-improve, honestly. I guess that's what the kind of the podcast is for, too. Talk about self-improvement and then it manifests it in your own life. So I guess let, let's get into the Q&A portion now. Let, let's answer some of the same questions you asked me on my episode. Okay. What three things would you tell your younger self or a younger person to improve their outlook on life? Nothing lasts. That's my first one. And that can be positive or negative. Because maybe like your relationship won't last with a person, but it can be beautiful for what it is at the moment. And you can take joy in that. But at the same time, if you're in a shitty situation, it can bring you comfort because it's not going to be like that forever. Nobody's always in a shitty situation. There's ups and there's downs in life. Second one, oh, I shouldn't have picked something so all-encompassing. But surround yourself with people who want something for themselves. What does that even mean? I don't think that you should try and surround yourself with a bunch of supporters and a bunch of fans who are just going to always be there at your beck and call and where they'll, they're just going to do things for you. I think you should be inspired by your friends because they're doing something for themselves. If right, they're okay. pursuing a career in something, if they're pursuing a really strong relationship with someone, you should find your inspiration in each one of your friends. Because they're the ones that push you forward. That's a good point. I mean, look at your friends, and I'll tell you where you're going to be at in 10 years. How many times have people heard that? Right. You are your friends, so surround yourself with the best people. And you'll become the best people. And if they don't want to surround themselves with you, then you're probably not the best person, so look at yourself for a sec. Finish it off. Drive the third point home. Third one? That's tough. Trying to think back on all the things that, like, I wish I hadn't done or I wish I had thought about more. I'd say just don't be afraid to tell your friends about how you feel. That's good or bad. Yeah, if you, and that's not just about like your friendship, but it's just like how you feel. How are you doing? Yeah, if you're up, let them know. Like, why, down, why be also. shy about how you feel? Because at the end of the day, you're just fucking yourself up then because then you're suppressing yourself. Right. And you're, Limiting yourself from one more outlet you could have. And, and that's something to be said about finding a good group of friends, too. Yeah, people you can trust. So, with that, I think you, you gave us a good segue into talking about my, my next question. What are three things that are, like, non-negotiables about the people you surround yourself with? The people that, you know, are your friends? Yeah, tied into the second point of that first question, they need to be motivated in life they need some sort of goal because if not then who are your examples in life your close examples that you actually know second 
second. That's tough. People who are honest, honest about themselves to where they'll let you know about things, but also honest in telling you about yourself, giving you the right advice, giving you the right input on portions of your life. Yeah, like, there's a saying that I, I, I've always had since I was a kid where it's like, good friends will tell you what you want to hear, great friends will tell you what you need to hear. And that's kind of like the difference between like love and pity. Love isn't always what you want or what you want at the time, but it's what you need. Pity is always just kind of catering to the emotion. Not even that. It's just like surrounding yourself with people that are okay with not being comfortable and bringing up uncomfortable conversations. Because uncomfortable yeah. conversations are the ones you need to hear, not the ones you want to hear. The conversations that you want to hear are the ones that make you feel good about yourself. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And what's another non-negotiable I have? This will be your third one. It's my last one. Gotta make it good then. It's pretty simple, and I think it's easily identifiable, so I want to talk about it, but just, like, positive people. Right. I don't want to be around people who are always complaining about their situation. I don't want to be around people who just can't celebrate your wins with you because they almost make make it about them and they're lacking like if, if they don't have what I have and then they get angry about it like I can't celebrate with you I can't be there because with you when I'm up because you just want to see me back at the same level as you right and I mean that's not to say that you're not going to be there when people are having bad moments in life like, no definitely Asher was he's huge at least in, in my life like when I was going through breakups or when I was going through tough times he was there but that's because he knew that those moments don't last mm-hmm. and those people are worth, you know, being there for. Yeah. So, you know, that rounds out your your three non-negotiables. If there's one thing you can say that kind of, like, summarizes your life and what you learned, what would you say to people? Nothing has to be conventional. From the beginning, I feel like, and I take a lot from it, I think I learned a lot from it, is that my upbringing and my family life is not normal. Most people don't have to address all the questions about who's my real parents. And I think it affects you a lot in the other portions of your life, but you just have to always remember that nobody's life is normal. Everybody has something that they bear that they're embarrassed about or that they don't feel like anybody else could relate to in life. But everybody is different, and I think that's what like brings us all together because we can all go in on that shared experience. And that's a shared experience of just living life, like yeah, life we all isn't, have a cross to bear. Isn't you know set out in a cookie cutter way. There's no cookbook to life. You figure it as you go. But there's a difference between people who who don't understand that life is unpredictable, and they get almost upset at it. Whereas yeah. some people are like, no, life is unpredictable, and that's that's the greatest part of life. It's the same people that get scared of the dark versus the people that are, you know, kind of curious to see what's in the dark. Mm-hmm. Or at least embrace the change. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess that, that answers everything for me and what the people want to hear. So, you know, with that being said... You want any last last points before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I 
hope it filled people in on any gaps they might have had in my life or before they met me or some in-between period where they haven't talked to me for a while. They might have known a little bit more. And, and also, I'd like to, to say this, too. It's like, this is probably the the last moment will be as as kind of sad and melancholic as, as we were these past two episodes just because we were just trying to fill people in on our yeah, lives. we just have a lot of shitty experience, I guess. <laughs> but experience nonetheless. Definitely, yeah. I mean... I think the reason it's been a lot of like, I guess, quote unquote, downs of our life is because those are the parts that define you. Those are the parts that change you and make you who you are. And if we just talked about all our wins in life, like, where would that get us? And, and what does also, that show about us? It puts into perspective the wins. Like, you can't have good without the bad. Yep. You need you need bad to set the perspective and framework for a good moment. Definitely, and it makes you enjoy them even more. So, with that being said. If you made it this far thank you for listening and um that that's that's the conclusion of asher's story and where he's at so far yeah um like we said it's hopefully not going to be as sad in the future but let us know what kind of topics you guys want to talk about what kind of episodes you want to hear from us and hopefully we can have some guests on soon yeah no definitely we're planning on having a few people on yeah, some people in our lives that we think are pretty cool so with that being said um Thank you, everybody, for listening, and that was the end of episode two. Yep. See you guys next week. You guys are such a fucking like douchebag. And now we move with the groove, move like that. Move with the groove, move like that. And now we move with the groove, move like that. Move with the groove, move like that. And now we move with the groove, move like that. Move with the groove, move like that. And now we move with the groove, move like that. This moment, once we lose it, gone forever. Instead of what if, wish we could clone it. You and me, we could own it, transform it and frame it. If we move and step together, synced in perfect arrangements. So, what you aiming for? I'm humble, more settled these days. But I find you very stimulated. Enamored, sub, melted in your laser hot gaze. Cool vibes flowing with you, waiting in the waves. Breath stroking in the pressure you. I'm just digging the scene while he digging on me. On the way back to Queens, we'll move back leather seats. Munchies, let's grab some meats. On the run like two thieves, time to kill a night young, love just moving our lead. As if I was cast to play your misses in the story like a period, it plays the end of sentences. This ain't the end, this the genesis. Appreciate you, honorable mention, dedication, let the music make it. Move with the groove, smooth like that. Move with the groove, smooth like that. And now we move with the groove, smooth like that. Move with the groove, smooth like that. And now we move with the groove, smooth like that. From a different skill set with the proof that I'm warm. Really ain't no shame for me to toot my own horn. Cause who else gonna do it? Okay, maybe lots. You may be in the game or you may be lost. I'm crazy cross the whole world, put in work like an urchin. Unusual merchant, reputable working. Cause I
blood to work with person, you know it's for certain. Four times a year, I'm unveiling the curtain, hailing another piece of the fabric that's magic. Cause I'm a beast with the ravage and the average. Girls see me shoot and ride down the cleavage. I'll never go without the best music I need. This I'm spastic with jazz. My homies here to show that we mastered the craft. Turn your Sony up and blow back your wig piece. If you dig grease, got the grimy on lock and make it knock through the big leagues. So I'm myself to be a take So I'm myself to be a